Welcome to KYH2O, a podcast about all things water in Kentucky. I'm Carmen Agaritas, an Extension Associate Professor in the Biosystems and Agricultural Engineering Department at the University of Kentucky. And I'm Amanda Gumbert, an Extension Specialist for Water Quality with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Join us as we get our feet wet exploring Kentucky's water resources. Well, welcome back to another episode of KYH2O. Um, in our previous episodes, we've talked about um, an interesting hobby for Kentuckians, and that being scuba diving. And we've talked about the basics of scuba diving and our, our guest um, has been Dr. Lou Hirsch, a faculty member in the Department of Plant Pathology here in the UK College of Agriculture, Food and Environment. And we've also talked about the relevance of scuba diving here in Kentucky. Um, today we're going to switch gears a bit and talk a little more about um, ecology and overall water quality and um, how Lou has seen some changes over time with his diving. Yes, Amanda. It's uh, it's interesting to me when we start this whole episode um, thinking about underwater environments because I spend all my time really dealing with surface water and what I see on the ground and uh, the streams, um, not so much lakes. And it was interesting to me just because as we see land use changes happening around us, I can see impacts uh, that happen to our stream systems. Um, if we do urbanization, that that changed and how the stream would change, or if we did the opposite, say maybe we went back and um, reforested an area, how that could have a positive impact on streams. And it got me really thinking about all I don't see on the surface. If I'm seeing these changes happen um, in streams, what's happening underwater uh, in our lakes or in our oceans? Um, and that to me was an area I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about. Yeah, I think maybe we probably see it, and I'm sure you think about it too, when you think about sediment and sedimentation. We talk, um, you know, you and I both talk a lot about um, macroinvertebrates or, or um, you know, our aquatic insects and making sure there's habitat for them. So I think we probably think about it in terms of sediment. And maybe when we're in a stream and picking up rocks and looking around and noticing, you know, submerged things, but we're talking about, you know, two to three inches of water, right? right. Not you know, where Lou was talking about, you know, up to a hundred more feet, you know, thinking about what lives in those environments. Um, you know, when I, when we hear, see the news, for example, when we talk about global climate change, we think of things, you know, like uh, the polar ice caps, or we think about, you know, this, and Lou will talk a bit about the acidity of the oceans and how that might have an effect. But it's one thing to hear about it on the news. It's really another, I think, to see it in your lifetime. And that was something Lou spent a bit um, of time talking about. So maybe we can take a listen to what Lou has to say about what it was like to dive around corals, uh, coral reefs when he first started to where he's at now. So I got certified when I was 15 uh, with my open water certification in Florida, diving in the Florida Keys, right around Almorada, which is right in the middle between Key West and Key Largo. And um, I'm now 35, so I'm diving 20 years. And I went back to the same places I got certified in and worked at professionally for a while. So I dove those reefs a lot, like 30 times a week. I mean, I, I know the rocks, you know. Um, and when I went... When I was certified 20 years ago, the coral was dying, but there was still coral, and specific species called elkhorn and staghorn corals, the ones that look like antlers poking out of the ground you see on National Geographic, those were all dead, um, but they'd been reduced to rubble, but you could still see them on the ground. 
little you know horn-shaped rubble pieces everywhere. Um, and I went back um, what two or three years ago for a conference and went diving for a day, and there's not even coral anymore. It's just rocks. There's no fish. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's if it was a forest, it would have been clear cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, I mean, tropical reefs, coral reefs everywhere are imperiled. Florida's specifically tough off because of uh, global climate change contributing to increased water temperatures, uh, to making the oceans more acidic. Because when we pump CO two into the atmosphere, um, the ocean absorbs a lot of it, which makes it more acidic, which makes it harder for coral to form their calcium carbonate shells. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some specific um, ecological and, and and for this podcast water concerns. So we've they've dammed up the Everglades um, and reduced water flow so that people think it's a swamp. It's really a big, slow-moving river. It moves about a mile an hour. Um, and in damming up the Everglades, they've actually increased the salinity of the, the ocean water around the land, which is, makes it harder for the coral to survive because coral can't survive in, in normal ocean water. That's why, we, that's why we find them around islands and things like that because it's shallow so they can get light and because they don't get the full salt water, which many of them haven't evolved to. Uh, and then there's also lots of pollution runoff. The Elkhorn and Staghorn corals I mentioned earlier were largely killed by bacteria um, from uh, the leach product of septic systems. Mm-hmm. So in the Florida Keys, they, they, they did sand-based septic tanks. And starting in the 60s and 70s, kind of, you know, boomer era, and then those took a little while to leak, and then they leaked enough, and, you know, one, two, three, four, five punch knockout, mm-hmm. and it caused all the, all the coral to collapse. And then in two, there's lots of invasive species. People have been putting lionfish. I don't know if this has made the news up here, but um, so lionfish are a, um, a predatory fish from the Indo-Pacific, like Indonesia area, and they're really pretty aquarium fish. They have really long pectoral and dorsal fin flanges. They're really pretty. But Aquarius would buy them. They'd get too big, or they ate every other fish in the aquarium, so people just dump them in the ocean because the ocean's the ocean, right? Well, it turns out those fish have no natural predators here, and they're voracious eaters, and they're they're wreaking havoc on whatever fish are left in a lot of these ecosystems because they eat everything and there's no predators. But, mm-hmm. I think there's one thing humans are really good at. It's making other organisms go extinct if we like to eat them. And there's been lots of people in the Florida Keys and throughout the Caribbean trying to um, trying to make a market for these lionfish uh, to go and you know, get them and clean them and cook them. Uh, and it's actually been pretty successful. The, there's not a whole lot of lionfish anymore in, the, in a lot of the popular dive sites in Florida because people will get them. When you scuba dived, I guess in Kentucky or other places, Brian, have you like seen anything change over time that you've noticed? I haven't dove enough in Kentucky to see a huge amount of change. Uh, I've certainly read articles in the dive community, um, especially uh, like in Australia where they have banned certain sunscreens and things because of the negative impact that it has with the coral reefs. Typically when I dive in Kentucky, you might see a couple submerged cans or bottles and or, or tires that got thrown out, but no, I have not seen a huge change over time. So Lou talks about the changes in um, salinity in the water. So he is talking about how those, uh, the chemical changes in the water are then impacting the the biology that's there. Um, but he also has seen another challenge that we see, and I think, it, and that's trash or litter. And we see that a lot, you know, even on terrestrial landscapes. And we 
are, you know, we, we know from the news, we know from, you know, reading information and seeing photographs of trash in our oceans. Um, my students are really concerned about that. I, I don't know if you hear this a lot, Carmen, from your students as well. Um, but that is a real um, issue that I think our students right now at the University of Kentucky are concerned about is, is trash. Um, and so there was something, though, that Lou pointed out that I didn't think much about as a problem, and that's fishing line. Uh, I can't speak to the ecological impacts of it, uh, just because I'm not a you know lake and you know fish river ecologist, but uh, monofilament fishing line is incredibly dangerous for scuba diving, and that's one reason why um, it's unsafe to dive in various parts of Cumberland Lake, for example, which is a national fishing hotspot. You know, when people get their lures caught on a tree, the line breaks or they cut the line. That's an entanglement hazard, and there it's. I mean, those monofilament lines have been evolved or designed to be invisible to fish. They're certainly invisible to humans. And uh, people have been known to get caught up in those and freaked out and spun around and kind of got fork and spaghetti on this monofilament line, some depth underwater wrapped around a tree. And there you can get into some issues. And divers carry knives and safety equipment to get out of those. But um, yeah, I mean, just from a safety perspective, the trash down there is dangerous. From an aesthetic position, it's bad. I mean, I could... I mean, I've I've seen 50 years worth of beer cans on the on the bottle of you know bottom of Laurel Lake, um, everything from obviously a weekend before to you know pop tops from the 70s, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's they were so the Marianas Trench is the deepest trench in our ocean. It's off of Japan. And um, they, you know, James Cameron, the Titanic guy, will send down, you know, submersibles every once in a while, and they found some garbage at the bottom of that. So we know that our oceans are now full of floating garbage, and there's, you know, garbage patches in the Pacific Ocean, and um, but there's also garbage at the deepest, deepest places on Earth, and we're we're covering our our planet, our atmosphere, and even space with garbage. It's interesting because listening to Lou talk, and you think about fishing lines. So if I was a fisherman out there and my line broke or whatever, you think it's a small part of what you're contributing. But the challenge is, is when it becomes cumulative. So if everybody's got a small part that goes in there, eventually it adds up. Um, and one of the examples he listed down, and I've seen this um, in streams, I usually challenge people to say, can you ask me something I have not found trash-wise in a stream? I've found everything from ovens to couches, you name it, is when everybody does a little bit, over time it adds up to a lot. Yeah. And that was, to me, one of the things that I saw of that, especially when he's talking about um, finding beer cans that could be decades old. It's not just a little bit from you, but it's a little bit of you for generations, that, and it really adds up. And I think there's a change in mindset of generations. I think, Carmen, our generation was taught early on that littering is bad and that you shouldn't do it. And I think our younger generations are even more um, committed to not littering. But it does happen. You know, sometimes things fly out the back of your vehicle or if you have a window down and it's a nice day, you know, things fly out or things blow around. Um, you know, I think the thing that we can remember to do to be good citizens and stewards of our of our environment is to not be afraid to pick up trash and pick up someone else's trash. And I'm going to, you know, give Carmen the kudos because every time I've been in in a stream with Carmen, 
she goes back to her vehicle and digs out a trash bag and she's always leaves with trash and takes that trash out of the stream. And I think if we all thought about that, if you're walking anywhere today and you see trash on the sidewalk or on the street, you know, bend over and pick it up, put it in the closest trash can. You're probably close by to something. Um, you know, it's not yours, no, but we all live here. So if we all pitch in and pick up a little bit, I think that we can all have that cumulative effect to the positive and not just to the negative. So Lou also talks about something else that he has mentioned in the previous episodes, but and that is the value of being outside. And scuba diving gives him the opportunity to be outside in a way that maybe many of our listeners don't necessarily think about. So let's hear him talk about that. You know, whenever I think about the value of scuba diving specifically, I could broaden it out to just the value of being outside. And I think that it, we don't really care about things, or people don't really care about things unless it has negatively impacted them. And I think, uh, you know, if you're hiking through the woods and you come across a bunch of garbage sitting on the trail, like, that matters and that's memorable. And you may do something to prevent that in the future or pick up the garbage as you're hiking. And I think that there's lots of ecological change, both beauty and garbage, underwater. And especially in Kentucky, because our visibility isn't very good, it really isn't visible unless you get down there and look at it. And um, even though we may be a landlocked state and the water is pretty chilly most of the year, um, scuba diving here in Kentucky is actually really attainable. It takes two weekends, costs four or $500. You could always rent the gear if you don't want to buy. Um, and I think for a lot of people, especially those who listen to this podcast, they should really consider scuba diving as, as a hobby, a pastime. Uh, even if you don't do it more than a couple times a year, if you're ever on vacation, someone will sell you a dive trip. Uh, and I think it just lets us appreciate the natural world a little bit more because 70% of the you know, world is, is underwater. And we can get at a little bit of that with scuba diving and what we can see is really cool. Scuba diving to me is just another way to appreciate a part of the natural world that we may not always see. And, and you know, after, after um, listening to Lou's interview and, and talking with you, Amanda, and Brian, it makes me really want to think about exploring uh, the option of learning how to become certified in scuba diving myself. Maybe you can sign up for the class, Carmen. I'm sure Lou has a place in his classes that he can sign you up. Probably today. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of KYH2O. You've been listening to Carmen Agaritas and Amanda Gumbert. Learn more about water at uky.edu forward slash BAE forward slash KYH2O. Subscribe to hear all episodes of KYH2O.